Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Hey guys, Ryan here. Just taking a moment before this episode to give a shout out to our new Patreon subscribers. My special thanks to the following. Kelly B, Kyle C, Jesse D, Leah W, John McGee, Steve C, Phil M, Danny G, Jamie T, Sean McA, Daniel W, Suzanne L, William H, Melinda B, Sally C, Rachel K, and Judith J. Thank you again for supporting the show, and I hope you enjoy your early episode releases, bonus content, and free merch. If you'd like to support the show and get rewards in return, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Enjoy this week's episode, and remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Hi there, uh, Ryan. This is uh, Osvaldo. I'm calling from Vancouver, Canada. I have two sightings to share. Uh, the first one, I uh, suppose, yes, it happened in 2005 when I was visiting El Salvador. That's where I'm from. And uh, in the months of June, July, I was visiting my family. Um, and um, at some point in the month of July, I had rented out um, a hut, a very rustic um, place by the beach. Uh, and this portion of the beach is along, uh, you know, this, the coastline that's really kind of removed, a bit isolated from any sort of uh, development or tourism. Um, it's, um, it's a beach that's uh, kind of populated by, by, by local, local fishermen and their families and it's a very um, rustic place off the beaten path, I suppose, right? So this is back in 2005. Um, on the third night, I believe, actually it was the second night, um, I had gotten into the habit of uh, pulling uh, a chair out from my hut and dragging it over to the beach. Um, when the tide was out, usually uh, around 8 or 9 p.m., uh, I got into 
you know, stargazing mode, right? Uh, which was so much fun because it was such a beautiful place. Um, that night it was a starry night. Um, no, you know, cloud cover, barely any whatsoever, right? And I was just really serenely looking up at the sky into the horizon. It was really dark by then. Um, and the sky is just full of stars. And all of a sudden I see this light that it kind of, uh, it kind of, the light became brighter, like it intensified. Um, and as it became brighter, really quickly just started to shoot down as if it was going to crash into the ocean. And, but all of a sudden it made this like 45 degree angle upward. And as it did that, um, it made this flash of lightning kind of like, you know, in Star Trek when the ships go into warp speed and they create this uh, lightning at the end. That's <laughs> that's the closest I can describe what I saw. There you go. That's my popular uh, culture reference for any Trekkie fans out there. Anyway, but um, the whole thing was about three to four, like four seconds. And the entire, like, you know, it had this really accelerated movement to it. Like... Um, what was this thing? I really don't know, other than a UFO. Um, this is, again, 2005. There was no... You know, in a country like El Salvador, like, our military, like, doesn't have... Didn't have anything, like, drone technology. Even back then, I don't know if, like, commercial drone techno technology was available back then. But, you know, it's a poor country, so our military wouldn't have that kind of technology. Uh, but the movement it made, it was just crazy fast like all in the same speed it was not a meteorite uh this thing did not burn up it just you know started to shoot down in a very ir irregular manner like it had this irregular uh jerky movement but really quick and it just showed up and it did this you know flash of lightning uh that's not a meteorite they don't they don't behave that way uh it was not a satellite again a plane totally discount that uh, and totally not a fisherman boat. Um, so I, I don't know what the hell that was, um, but I was just astounded. It, you know, it really, if anything, it felt like like it was something out of this world um, because it was amazing. And I just went to bed like with the knowledge that I had seen something really amazing, you know, um, and I put this experience on the shelf for the longest time because, I mean, as soon as it happened, I look back and there are no other witnesses. It was just me on that beach. And sure, I could have shared it with my family, but I chose not to back then because, like, seriously, you know, El Salvador, it's a very Christianized, very Christian country. And, you know, they would have taken my story and just placed it on a you know, loony bin, you know, like, hey, man, what were you smoking that night or something? But <laughs> I uh, let me tell you, I, my mind was totally lucid. I was in a my state of mind was just I was just very serene, looking up at the stars, and then and then I see this. Um, and you know, before this incident, before before this sighting, I 
I was open to the topic of UFOs, but I was never really someone that would go out and investigate it or really get into it, you know. Um, so I, again, I put that story on the back of my mind for the longest time until last year uh, in 2021, which is when I had my second sighting. And um, second sighting was uh, in Vancouver, Canada, which is where I live now. And so let me paint the scene. Um, uh, back then, uh, in, to, in, in May of 2021, um, it was around uh, 10 minutes to midnight. Um, our um, apartment is in this block building, and we're up on the third floor, and we have a balcony, balcony that's south-facing. And in front of us, we have uh, there's a parking lot, and... Uh, and these really beautiful tall maple trees, right, that shoot up about, I don't know, anywhere between 180 to 200 feet high, maybe. And then you have a row a row of pine trees next to them, about six or seven of them, and they're smaller in height. Um, so I'm in my living room, and all of a sudden there is a power outage, and uh, I think to myself, oh, I have, we haven't had one of those in a while, you know, that's, that's, that's okay, whatever. And uh, the thing about me is that I'm a night owl, so I do stay up really late, and I was working, most likely, on something. And um, I go over to the kitchen and get a glass of water, and then I told myself, why don't we just step outside and gaze up at the stars? Um, you know, there's less, uh, less light pollution now that the lights are out in our building. I step outside, and I look over to the left, I look over to the right, and both uh, rows of houses next to our building uh, their lights are out except for the building in front of us you know which is like uh, maybe like like a six-story high building and also newer and i thought okay so maybe it's just like a partial like a you know um outage of our street block whatever and uh you know not too long after i had stepped out of uh, out into the balcony um um I, I've been, you know, looking up at the sky and not too long after that, like a, maybe like a minute or so of stopping outside, I <laughs> I see these three dots of light. Uh, they were whitish, yellowish in color. And all I saw was these three lights in a triangle formation, just gliding across, going southeast just on top of our building, um, just kind of maybe gliding along our neighborhood. I don't know. Uh, and it was just gliding silently. There was no noise to this thing. And um, yeah, I got really spooked out. Uh, I I was just mesmerized by this. It was just, I mean, what was this? A triangle UFO? I don't know. Uh, it was hard to tell how big and how high the lights were, but I do know that um, that it went over those uh, tall maple trees that I described earlier. So it was going uh, southeast, and it disappeared over those tall uh, tall trees. And the entire thing again, like three to four seconds. But I remember just being really spooked out because it just the series of. Uh, just the sequence of events in which and how this happened, you know, um, like, was this coincidence or synchronicity, right? Like, was this 
thing, the what what caused the power outage in our building, and for the rest of the row of houses next to our building, like I don't know. Um, so I still ask myself that, and you know, I'm not a UFO investigator. Uh, I didn't go out the next day to like, you know, talk to like the you know, BC Hydro Company and like, you know, hey man, what happened last night? What caused this power outage in our block? Like I had things to do, whatever, like, you know, uh, but it stayed in my mind. I remember, you know, as it happened, I was really scared. I don't know why. I mean, back then in starting in 2020, at the beginning of, beginning of the pandemic, I, for some reason, really wanted to go back to my first sighting and just kind of investigate that. Uh, the topic of UFOs. Um, it, it became like a hobby for me, like a pandemic hobby. And so maybe this was a projection of my mind. You know, maybe I projected something from all the information and research that I had done about the UFO phenomenon. Uh, so I don't know. That's a crazy theory to think about. But um, there's something about consciousness and how it affects people. Um, the way this one affected me meaning the second one was that <laughs> with all the information that I had consumed about UFOs and the different um, li literature that I had read, I um, I was just really spooked out. Um, and uh, as it happened, I remember I was really scared standing on that balcony and just kind of wanting to communicate with it. And just in my mind, I was saying to myself or to it to stay Stay, because I want to keep seeing more of it. And uh, but he just kept gliding along. Um, he just went away over those tall trees. Uh, it's hard to tell what that was. Um, maybe it was like uh, you know the size of an SUV. Um, like it, I couldn't really determine any shape. But again, it was a triangle um, information, moving very slowly and silently. But, you know, come on, like, close to midnight? What's this doing? What's this thing doing, like, flying over our neighborhood at uh, late late that night? So I got really scared by that. Um, and the next day, I just had to, like, tell my partner about it. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, I reported it to MUFON and other places. But, um, yeah, um, you know, overall, I think the first one was just astounding. And the second one really <laughs> was... There was something palpable there and how it made me feel. I was basically afraid of it. Um, anyway, um, I, you know, I, I really appreciate the work that you do, Ryan. Uh, I think this topic, I think you're doing really good work. Um, uh, I think this topic really challenges the, the status quo of what we cur currently understand about, you know, the cosmos or and uh, ourselves as human beings. You know, I'm not saying that you know, um, that the sightings that I had were, um, of alien, alien origin, but, but let me tell you, man, the first one, uh, it, it was truly something out of this world. It was something that I had never seen, but for some reason after the second one, I have this uncanny feeling that it'll keep happening again, that for sure I'm going to keep seeing or having more, um, UAP or UFO experiences or sightings. I, I can't tell you why that is, but um, I know it's going to happen again. I just don't know when, and that's okay. Um, I just know that I have to just keep looking up and uh, just pay attention to the night sky. 
hell, even during the daytime, maybe something may happen, maybe like a day sighting, right? Um, anyway, um, uh, anyways, that's all, Ryan. Uh, thank you, um, everyone, for listening to my story. As Richard Dolan says, you know, I keep fighting the good fight. Bye, everyone. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Somewhere in the Skies listeners. I'm MJ from a Spooky Tales podcast. That's E in front of Spooky. And I have a story for you all today. I hope you enjoy it. It's a story I grew up listening and it used to terrify me as a child. So I hope you guys enjoy. This story takes place in 1994 in the middle of nowhere pueblo called Latinaja in the state of Zacatecas in Mexico. Latinaja is in the municipality of Villanueva. According to the research of this little pueblo, it no longer has residents, and as of right now, as far as I am aware, it's a ghost town. Not to be confused with another little town of the same name within the same state. This Tinaja in particular is no longer registered as a town. And the people who told me this story are near and dear to me, so all the names will be changed as they wish to remain anonymous. One night, Jose and his friend Miguel were on horseback. They were returning from a neighboring town from a dance and seeing their girlfriends. As they were crossing the road and fields in the distance, they saw an airplane flying over. When a light suddenly appeared over the airplane and engulfed it, the airplane completely stops, almost like it was locked in time and space, not going up or down, back or forward, just there hovering in midair with this light shining above it. According to Jose, it couldn't have lasted more than 10 seconds, and as soon as the light appeared, it vanished and the airplane resumed its flight. Jose and Miguel were terrified because it made no sense. Jose would go on to clarify that Miguel and him did not grow up with pop culture as they lived in a farm town, very rural, very third world country, like way of living. The only electrical thing in this town were the street lamps. The houses and residents still used oil lamps, and they were not influenced by alien and UFO culture like many parts of the world. No electricity. No TV. Now, to return to the story. Jose and Miguel depart from each other, each heading to their own homes. When Jose reached his home, he went straight to the horse's stable. As he was putting away his horse, Jose noticed that outside the stable became entirely lit like it was daylight. He noticed that the light shining down on the stable was the very same light that paused the airplane in midair. He described it as being similar to a spotlight, but on a much larger scale. And just like with the airplane, as soon as it came, it left. Once the light was no longer shining down on the stable, Jose ran home. The family guard dog greeted him outside the home. He began rationalizing what he saw as the dog seemed unaffected. He locked the iron screen door and the wooden door behind him, leaving the guard dog outside. His sister, his brother, and his parents are inside the home waiting for him, and they notice he was shaken. They asked what was wrong, and Jose recounted his experience. A few hours later, everything seemed back to normal. As they were getting ready to go to bed, their dog starts going wild outside, barking and growling, ready to attack something. The family became startled. Maybe it was someone trying to take one of their animals. To their horror, the family hears something fall on the roof. A very heavy thump. Something either fell on the roof or something jumped onto the roof. 
And this something starts walking across, and it seems to be bipedal. Walking on two legs, it was not a four-legged creature. From what Jose's sister says, it sounded like this thing had claws. With each step that was taken, it had the sound of claws dragging across the roof. At this point, the family is frantic. Jose and his brother grab their guns and ready for an attack. Whatever is on the roof, if it comes through the ceiling or tries the door, they will be ready. Meanwhile, the dog at this point is in fear, and it's no longer sounding angry. It's sounding afraid, and it starts running and slamming into the front doors, charging at the doors over and over and over, nearly breaking the iron screen door and the wooden door along with it. Whimpering, barking, and growling, the dog is in complete hysterics, when all of a sudden, all the noises just stop. The walking on the roof has stopped. The dog has stopped. Everything becomes silent. They did not rest that entire night, and when morning came, they opened their doors and saw the dog was laying there on the floor, dead. No blood, no cuts, no wounds. It looked like it was sleeping. After these incidents, Jose has suffered, and many people around the town and the neighboring town see lights coming in and out of the lake that's at the edge of Latinaja. One of these people who have seen these lights coming in and out of the lake has been Jose's sister on two occasions. Several other residents of the neighboring town as well, so much so that they would wait out for any family or friend walking near this lake late at night to make sure they got home safe. And that is the story. I hope you enjoyed listening. It is a story that was retold over and over again to me as a child, and it used to scare me so much. But with that being said, bye and stay a spooky. Hi, Ryan. Uh, my name is John, and uh, I experienced something absolutely extraordinary with my mom uh, just outside of Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, a little less than a month ago, and I'd like to tell you about it. Um, we have been spending time out in Arizona. We're from California, uh, just north of Los Angeles. And I've been spending time out here in Arizona with my mom and puppies doing a sort of artist retreat. You know, we're making art, music, and now, I guess, taking pictures of UFOs. Um, we're no strangers to this sort of thing. Um, I've personally seen about a dozen good UFOs in my life with, you know, details, lights, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I think I've seen a mix of government craft, ET craft. Um, we've just never gotten the opportunity to get it on film until now. So on the 11th of May, we were here uh, about 10 miles outside of Casa Grande, Arizona, in a retirement community, a 55-plus community, where my mom is renting a spot, and she's got a trailer set up, and it's pretty bare bones, but it works. It's a nice little spot to get away and um, do something creative. So we were... Well, that day, I had come into town to do some stuff, and on my way back... Uh, the sun was going down, and here 
in, in this part of Arizona, the sky is massive. Um, in California, we have a lot of mountains, and it just seems a lot smaller there. Here, it kind of looks like the sky looks over the ocean. It just you know, horizon to horizon, it's it's massive. And I noticed right away with the um, sunset that the clouds were looking weird that day. They were crossing the entire sky. They looked like almost like a dividing cell or something. I mean, just massive clouds. And I was already thinking, oh, yeah, there's probably like a mothership or something hiding in there, right? And so I, I came back to the place, and we decided a couple hours later to go walk the dogs to the dog park, which is right there by the complex we're staying in. And my mom uh, didn't normally bring her phone on such walks. Uh, she was intuitively called to grab it. I mean, we were looking at the clouds, and they were strange, and she thought, okay, well, you know, we'll capture some interesting pictures of the cloud formations here that were like interlocking right above our heads. It was really weird. And so she grabbed her phone and we, we took the dogs to the dog park and on our way back is when we decided to, she decided to grab her phone and snap some pictures of the clouds. The clouds at this point were showing us pictures. So it looked like a sonogram picture of a baby that my mother had lost many years ago. And then it morphed into what looked like a gray ET head, you know, with the big black eyes and, and that sort of thing. And that's actually the moment that my mom took out her phone and she aimed to capture that, um, in her camera. <clears throat> so she takes it out and she points it straight up into the sky above us. These clouds, by the way, they were only a couple hundred feet above our heads and they were like gliding over us like on a piece of glass or something. And then when we started seeing these images, the clouds were actually coming towards us, like down towards us, towards the ground. It was unbelievable. I've never seen clouds, quote-unquote, do this before in my life. And so she, she snapped six pictures over the course of 29 seconds uh, at around 9 p.m. on the 11th of May. Um, there wasn't any light pollution. It was quiet. Everyone in the complex was already asleep. Um, really great conditions for taking pictures. And she snapped the six pictures... We didn't review the pictures at that time. We just, we got tired. We walked back to the place and we fell asleep immediately. And it wasn't until the next morning that we realized what exactly we had caught in these photographs. Um, in fact, my mom almost threw them out. The previous evening, she did see them as thumbnails in her phone and she thought that there was, you know, like like light pollution or something was happening in the photos that they were crap and they were trash and she actually almost threw them away something inside of her was like no 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 just hold on to these and the next morning we took a, a close look and were absolutely astonished uh, with what we saw I should add too that when we were taking the pictures when we saw the 
the images and the clouds and they were coming towards us and all that, we felt the whole time like there were craft up there. It's just, you know, we just know it. It's an intuitive feeling. And when clouds like this happen, which, by the way, have happened in our past, and they've proceeded, these sorts of clouds with the fingers stretching across, they've proceeded weird events in the nights that they've appeared. So she knew right away that something was up. And I don't know. Um, the images... I mean, they, they speak for themselves. In five of the six images, she caught this craft, which uh, has rows of, of colors, of lights. Um, the thing we estimate is probably, I don't know, seven, eight decks tall. I mean, it was massive. Um, if you extrapolate, you know, from where the camera position was and looking up into the sky, and we caught, you know, the edge of this thing... It's probably a couple hundred feet across, and we did not see this thing with our naked eyes. Um, it was completely invisible. We felt it up there. But the fact that we actually got something in photograph that we couldn't see with our eyes is absolutely astounding. Um, it looks as if the craft were tumbling between dimensions or, yeah, I don't know, maybe it was moving too fast for our eyes to see, but the camera shutter got it. Um, I, we really don't know. We really don't know. We don't know if this is government or if it's ET. Um, but the pictures are extraordinary. Um, in the words of, of John Halloran from MUFON, who gave us a, a prompt call for an interview uh, about all the details... His word was that these photos are extraordinary, and they are. Um, the sixth one in particular, where you can really see the craft, if you if you zoom in on that, there's a whole wealth of details there. Porthole windows that are reflecting off the hull. You can see the ridge lines. You can see a pipeline going across. You can see a braided knot work on the bottom of the craft. It's unbelievable. So, you know, with this audio recording that I'm going to be sending you, I'll send you the pictures and a little bit of analysis that we've done too. But, um, yeah, that's our experience that particular time. Now, I will add that we've actually seen and recorded multiple UFOs here in, in Arizona on our drive back this time. We, we came here, we, my mom photographed a UFO and then we went back home for a couple weeks and now we're back in Arizona and on our drive back, we saw a triangular UFO that, that flashed us for just a couple seconds. It was too quick for her to grab her phone. I was driving, but it showed us its bottom side. It was a, it was an orb of light. It was a white orb. And then it morphed into a triangle that was facing us with a red light on one corner and green lights on the other two corners. No red death light in the middle. So I don't think this is necessarily a TR-3B. Um, but we did see that. And then it turned into a red orb and, and flew off you know, into the distance. So she actually got some of that on video uh, when it turned into the red orb. And then we saw... On our last trip here, we also saw another UFO over the complex, and it was just a, um, 
it was a white orb that was flashing all these different colors and it looked kind of iridescent and I got a really good video of it. The thing is, compared to this other, these other pictures that we got, you know, I'll put it this way, the video footage would have excited us before we got these images. Um, but in comparison, it's, you know, whatever. But yeah, we actually do have another UFO video too that we could send you if you were interested. But anyway, that's that's pretty much the story. I hope I didn't leave anything out. And um, yeah, thank you for taking the time to um, listen to this. We want to get this out there to the world. We want the world to see these images, but it seems like a lot of people out there can't see it or maybe they're hypnotized or maybe the images are too good a quality. Maybe they look like bad CGI or something and people just, they take one glance at it and go, yeah, no, it's not. But it's actually absolutely extraordinary, the detail. So... Yeah, thank you, and um, have a good one. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for having me on Somewhere in the Skies. I'm an avid listener and I can't wait to tell you my story. Uh, so my name is Dennis. I live in Southampton at the moment, but I used to live on the Isle of Wight, uh, which is a little island off the south coast of England in the UK. Um, and my story basically uh, was what kick-started my absolute fascination with aliens, with UFOs, uh, with the paranormal, um, because it was something that I 
just couldn't explain no matter how hard I tried. I always had a fascination in that side of things, but this really kick-started it for me. And um, ever since then, I've been really sort of like looking for paranormal stories. And it's why I came across this podcast a few years ago. And I listen to it all the time. So I used to take my dog for a walk. Uh, We used to go up to this castle in Newport on the Isle of Wight. So as you can imagine, the castle sits way up above the town. Uh, It's a very small town. It's the county town of the Isle of Wight. Um, And I would take my dog up there each evening. This was happening in um, October. So it was fairly dark at this point in time. I like going up there because you could see all around the town, all the lights. And it was really relaxing, really calming, a little bit spooky, but also a great walk. Um, So I got to the top where the castle is, where the car park is, and then just turned to my right where I could oversee the forest to the uh, front of me and the main town below and to the right. Um, And all of a sudden I could see these four dots in the sky and they were fairly large, so larger larger than what you would see with an aeroplane with their lights. Um, and each one was pulsing in a different, in like formation pulsing. So one would pulse one colour, then the next one, then the next one, and the next one. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was trying to work out what it was. I was like, well, what could that be? And all of a sudden they started moving apart and then moving around each other and sort of taking different places in the formation. And I'm like, well, this is strange. This is very interesting. Um, and then they were moving in more complex fashions. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. How, how, you know, how am I going to explain this? Um, and then after a few minutes of that, they just moved really high, further in the sky and sort of faded a bit and then just completely disappeared. And it was the most interesting and crazy experience that I've ever had and really made me think that there is definitely something out there. And ever since then, I've just kept my eyes to the sky all the time and I've had you know, a number of times where I've seen things that I can't explain and a number of stories that I may have to to send in at some other point. Um, But yeah, it was a fascinating experience and really put me into that mode of whatever else is out there. And I've been researching and been very interested about it since then. Um, Just thought I'd like to share my story with you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Keep up the great work. Hey Ryan, thanks for having me on Somewhere in the Skies. My name is Kendra, and just as a very short bio, I'm a professional tarot reader and pyrography artist. I've had an 18-year affinity with witchcraft, spirituality, and I've been obsessed with UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrial beings since I first saw the alien autopsy video when I was like 10, and the internet happened. I've had two sightings in my life that I'll just briefly try to relay for listeners. My first sighting must have been 20 years ago when I was just outside of the store with my mom. There was a fleet of white spheres in the sky. Even as a child, I knew that these objects were flying abnormally, but the coolest part was that they were doing synchronized formations. Fast forward to the summer of 2021 in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado where I used to live. I was outside on our deck looking west when I got a sparkling object flying in a straight path across the sky. I watched it for a few seconds before I decided that it wasn't the reflection of a plane. I pulled out my phone and started recording, and though this is purely speculative, it's almost as if the object knew I started recording because it disappeared a split second later. I knew I had witnessed something substantial because of the way it disappeared, like it just disintegrated. I'm sure many of your listeners have watched the latest season of Skinwalker Ranch, but it was exactly like the UFO that was seen during the laser triangle experiment and dissipated in the same way. I actually contacted Candace from the show because I had never seen anything so similar to what I had seen. I also think it's important to note that Skinwalker was about four hours west from my location. Anyway, I filed a report with MUFON and their field investigator determined that this object was indeed a UFO. 
I have a split second video of that amazing experience, but in the slowed down version of that video, I can see that the object was spinning or pulsating, and that it did indeed just poof from existence. For me, even as a child, I've never questioned the possibility that we are not alone in the universe. After spending years as an amateur researcher regarding this subject, I feel like we are at the point of beating a dead horse. The evidence is stacked, and I'm hopeful that peaceful disclosure will happen during my lifetime. I also feel like humanity is at a tipping point, and regardless of how much us UFO nerds want the world governments to come forward, we really need them to. Take from that what you will, but I think it is really important to navigate the future of this subject without bias and without fear. Mars isn't attacking. So that's my little UFO story. Um, thanks again for having me on the show. Hello, Ryan. My name is Will Murray. I'm a professional writer and novelist. In the middle 2000s, I was coming back from a writing assignment in Vancouver, Canada, and flying over the continental United States in a passenger plane. I was seated in a window seat on the starboard side of the plane. I had been reading a book and put it down to give my eyes a rest and started staring out the window. It was a sunny day, and there were a number of clouds marching along in the sky. One cloud in particular drew my attention. It had the shape of a derby hat, essentially a large dome, probably five or six stories tall, and sitting on a cloudy-looking plate. But what drew my attention was that on either side of the dome, jutting out at equal angles, were these two vaporous horns or jets. They weren't moving or anything. They were just frozen vapor. Uh, and there was something about the symmetrical look of the cloud that captivated me. So I was watching it. And as I watched it, my eyes went to a small black object about the size of a helicopter that looked like an oblong pill. I remember at the time thinking it looked like a time-release capsule, except it was shorter. And I asked myself, what is that? And my mind did what exactly the Navy female pilot years later who observed a Tic Tac did. I kept trying to pattern match it with something I recognized. I asked, is that a helicopter? But of course, a helicopter can't fly that high. They don't pressurize them. Then I thought, is that a small plane? But it had no wings, no portholes, no external engines. It was just a black oblong, oblong approximately the size of a helicopter. A small helicopter, I guess. Uh, and it seemed to be passing in front of this cloud or approaching it. It was not moving very quickly. Normally when I see a small plane flying when I fly commercial, the small plane moves pretty fast. This was loafing along, a little like a blimp, but they don't make blimps that are pressurized, and even if they did, I suppose, it would still need some externals to make it look like a blimp. I watched this object for approximately a minute or so, and even though I had a cell phone in my pocket, I didn't think to it out and take a picture. That's how quickly it happened. And once we passed the object, 
I kept asking himself, well, what was that? Now, I've had an interest in UFOs since the 1960s. It's been an on and off interest. And I've always wanted to see one. And even though apparently I did see one, it was several days before I decided in my mind, yeah, that's what it had to be. Some kind of unidentified flying object because it didn't look like anything that should be up at 35,000 feet or so. I should mention that a few years, a very few years before this, I had trained with Dr. David Morehouse in remote viewing, and he ran us against some targets of this type, which awakened or reawakened my interest in the subject a little bit. I don't think there's any connection between the two events. How I feel about it now is that I clearly saw a tic-tac, even though the tic-tacs weren't in the public consciousness at that time. And I would think I was confused because I thought that UFO shapes typically were saucer or spherical or or egg-shaped or cigar-shaped. And I had never, I don't recall ever reading about one that was pill-shaped, but here it was. I think in my mind at the time and now to this day, I associate the black object with the cloud as if there was a connection with it. This may be a bit of intuition, I don't know, it may be imagination, but it seemed to me that the black pill was moving or gravitating toward the cloud as if there was something inside it it wanted to connect with or it wanted to hide in it or something. One could use their imagination and say, well, maybe there's a large ship, larger ship inside the cloud, and the cloud is, has that shape to, to mark it as an unusual cloud so the black object could find it. But I would think any advanced craft of that type wouldn't need such a visual identification. But nevertheless, I connect the cloud with the object in a way I can't fully explain and certainly can't verify, except it was the cloud in its unusual configuration that first grabbed my attention. That's it. Thank you. Hey, Ryan, in the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, uh, my name is John, and uh, I am excited to finally uh, detail a couple uh, incidents for you all. I know time is limited, so I'll try to make it uh, quick. So, uh, I was 18 in 1985, living in Angel Fire, New Mexico, the Moreno Valley, and uh, it's a north to south valley with the uh, tallest mountain in New Mexico, Wheeler Peak, uh, looming over it. I was on top of the Angel Fire ski area, uh, basically staying overnight, camping, had a fire with a good friend of mine, and we were watching satellites and, you know, a lot less satellites in the 80s, but, you know, watching satellites and stuff fly overhead and just kind of enjoying a a super late evening, uh, you know, out in the mountain air, and we saw a very bright light across the uh, valley from us, and uh, it was, you know, hugging the mountain and sometimes would go behind uh, some of the peaks and then pop back up so we would sort of go in and out but it wasn't like zooming around and doing anything incredible so you know we couldn't make out what it was it was just a bright light and it seemed to be kind of you know 
cruising around in an area. So we thought at first maybe it's a helicopter looking for a lost hiker or something. But it kept sort of going south towards where the Palo Flechado Pass comes over from Taos. And, uh, you know, it got to almost directly across from us, which I would imagine is about two and a half to three miles from my location. Um, And then all of a sudden it just stopped moving shot straight up into the sky way higher than the mountains and then immediately took off to the uh <clears throat> to the south in a blink of an eye i mean we're talking you know thousands of miles an hour i mean i i have no idea how fast it was going but it was gone um and my friend and i freaked out of course got in our blazer and started you know barreling down the mountain scared to death because we were sure oh god you know this thing's going to come back what is it it's a ufo but oh Oops, <laughs> I forgot the most important part of the story. So so we see the thing zip off, gone. It's gone to the south. And then um, we see two lights to the very north of the valley flashing, and they're coming very fast in our direction. And all of a sudden we hear the jet noise. And they must have been F-16s because they, they had full afterburners. They only had one jet engine, and they were hauling from the north in the direction and this is like 2, 3 in the morning, very loud, must have woke up the whole valley, rages through the valley in the direction of this craft, but the craft is long, long gone. So my friend who was with me, his uh, parents were divorced, he was living there with his mother in Angel Fire, but his dad uh, was an Air Force, uh, I don't know, colonel or something, but he worked in uh, in the Air Force and uh, he did... Um, uh, it wasn't SR-71, but he did some sort of test piloting stuff. And so he went to go visit his dad, and he told him about our sighting and asked his dad about it. And his dad just was, like, very deadpan and was like, son, you're not crazy. You saw what you saw. This is the most highly uh, secret, uh, held secret in the entire military, and I don't want you to ever talk about it again. And so uh, to this day, when I talk about it with him, he gets really cagey. He doesn't like to talk about it. Um, uh, you know, and that's that was my first interaction with a uh, with a UFO uh, that I saw, um, and it was being trailed by Air Force jets. So, you know, here I am, 18 years old, and this situation really blew my mind. I mean, I didn't know what to make of it, except that it pretty clearly in my mind created uh, the thought that okay, well, a UFOs are real. B, the government obviously knows about them because, you know, and they can track them on radar because those jets never physically saw the craft because they never got close enough. It was long gone before they came in. So that means they had to be tracking it on radar and had to be vectored in to the very location. So it made me know, okay, not only can we track the UFOs, do the military chase them, but they were outclassed by them, obviously. I mean, they were completely outclassed and the government is hiding this knowledge. So that was the start for me when I was 18, realizing, okay, wow, UFOs are real. The government knows it's a cover-up. The military, you know, is, is outmatched. So I went to the university of New Mexico and I started, uh, 
going to the library and I started studying the phenomena, the Blue Book files, the old Stringfield files, you know, Stanton Freeman, the Roswell stuff. I mean, I started getting deep, deep down this rabbit hole, but I was started learning early on, you know, wow, you know, there's such a crazy stigma to this. You can't talk to anybody about it because when I would bring it up to anybody, friends, family, they would just think I was crazy or making it up or and they just shit on me. So I was like, okay, I, I can't really talk to anyone about this, but I got to figure this out. So I started going and doing lots of research at the library and started realizing that anyone who got too close died by mysterious circumstances. So when I started learning that people who got too close to the UFO topic and got really deep in there were getting suicided or, you know, mysterious car crashes and this and that, I became very nervous about what I knew, um, who I could talk to about it. And so I was very apprehensive and would not speak to very many people about it. was very nervous if I went to any kind of UFO conferences about just starting up conversations with people because I wasn't sure who was legit and who was a plant. So then I got married in the mid-90s, 95, and uh, I had known my, my wife all through high school. So we're together and I start telling her my UFO story. Now, I've seen a few other things, a couple other incidents over the years that we won't go into here. But So I'm bringing these up to her and, you know, typical people think you're crazy. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you saw UFO. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, right. And uh, so she never really believed me. And so I was always like, you know, this really sucks. Even my wife, who loves me and trusts me, doesn't believe me. I mean, this sucks. And so then we saw an orb together, like a white egg shape uh, UFO flying across the sky um, south uh, or north of Santa Fe. And we were driving in the car heading to Taos. And I saw this thing and it was coming. It had was coming from the Los Alamos area. It was hauling ass, maybe about four or five hundred miles an hour. So pretty damn fast. And, you know, maybe fifteen hundred to two thousand feet up. Not very high. We were watching it, watching it. I'm driving. And then she sees it just disappear. I look back. It's gone. And that was the first one that she kind of saw. But once again, it was just a white thing in the sky hauling ass and then it disappeared. So we're like, well, maybe it was a balloon. Maybe it was a balloon and it popped. Uh, maybe it was this. She was like, well, I saw it take off. But, I, you know, I don't know what I saw. So this wasn't enough for her to be like, okay, confirmation. I saw something. So it was more like, well, that was weird, but whatever. So then... January of 1997. And so this to me connects to the Phoenix Lights because Taos, New Mexico is not, as a UFO flies, very far from where the Phoenix Light sightings were. Those were in March. So I'm talking late January in the, I don't know, maybe the 27th-ish, around there, a week before the Winter X Games because that's where I was headed. We see in Taos, New Mexico, a very bright light come around Taos Mountain. Uh, it was nighttime, but it was dusk, so that in the west there was still light in the sky, so you could see the outlines of the the mountains and you know clouds in the distance, whatever. But directly over me, pitch black stars. But you could see the outline of Taos Mountain and lower than the mountain, so it had to be around 2,500 feet up. I mean, it was not higher than the mountain. It came around the mountain. Was this very bright light? 
and my wife's in the car with me and I had a video camera with me and I'm like, oh my God, what is that thing? What is that? Let's look at it. So we keep driving towards our house, which we're getting closer and closer in El Prado, New Mexico, and it's coming right towards us. And there's a lot of cars on the street. I mean, other people, no one seems to be noticing this thing. It's just a bright light. It's There's no shape. And I'm like, what is this thing? It's coming right at us. And so pull off the road into my driveway, I jump out, I grab my video camera, turn it on, and brrr, battery's dead. Freaking dies. I, you know, it's dead. So I don't get anything on the camera. And then I look up, my wife's right there, and flying above us is the biggest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was so huge. I mean, it was at least like three aircraft you know, like carriers. I mean, it was giant. It blocked out the stars as it went overhead. I was mesmerized looking directly up into the bottom of this craft, which was just like warping lights, colorful kind of rainbow lights. It, it looked like, you know, the heat shimmering coming off of a hot cement. So the heat was shimmering. So the lights were shimmering. And I was just like, oh, like aghast as this thing blocked out the sky as it went completely over our head, silent as the night went right over our head and then kept going uh, over towards Taos Pueblo and over the mountain. So I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you saw that, you saw that. And then all of a sudden we hear, and coming up behind it, come in the same basic direction, two more fighter jets. And they're following it, but this giant thing is not going very fast. It's not trying to escape. It's not accelerating away. It's just staying on its same trajectory and its same path. And these fighter jets go right over us loud. And they're heading towards it, but they're catching it. So they peel off because they they didn't want to like overtake it, it seemed. They didn't want to fly over it or catch it. So they kind of peeled off. And then both the jets and the thing went over the mountain and we couldn't see them anymore. And I was just shocked and dismayed and so excited that I had seen it with my wife. I was more like, oh my God, see, look, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy with her than I was even like blown away by what I had seen. Now, I pictured it as a triangle, but I wasn't really looking at the details of the shape. I was mesmerized by the lights underneath and just the size and the quiet. It was so quiet as it went over. But my wife said she was actually looking end to end trying to figure out how big it was and what the shape was. She said it seemed like a giant boomerang, but possibly triangle. But a month and a half later when the you know, Phoenix lights went off. I mean, we both were like, oh my God, that's exactly what we saw. So I don't know if it's a precursor to the Phoenix lights. I don't know if it was the same craft or what, but it was giant. It was quiet. It was triangular or boomer shaped. Um, you could have landed freaking airplanes on the top of this. I mean, it was so huge. So, um, that is my the basics of my my two big stories that include uh, fighter jets. Um, you know, only one of them had any kind of acceleration or what would uh, Lou would call the five observables. My first one in '85 that kicked it all off. But uh, these things are flying around out there. Our military is aware of them. Um, we, it, you know, to me, there's not an issue of proof or belief. Um, I've seen this stuff, so, you know, I know it's real. Um, I've spoken to many people since then. Uh, you know, I have spoken to researchers. I've spoken to David Fravor. I've spoken to, uh, you know, many other military pilots. Um, this is way more common than people have ever known. 
best kept secret on the planet. And thank you, Ryan, and your podcast listeners for uh, listening. And, um, you know, I have lots of other interesting stuff, but those are the two big ones uh, that I thought I would share with your listeners. So thank you, Ryan, and thank you, listeners. Keep the faith and quit fighting out there on Twitter. Let's keep our shit together and uh, let's get this solved. My name is Casey. My Twitter is at Villian. In July of 2013, right around 4th of July time frame, I worked for the Indianapolis Museum of Art as a campus police officer. At around 3 o'clock in the morning, I was dispatched along with my partner to go check out some residential areas known as the Golden Hill Estates. It was a site we had to check out pretty much nightly to make sure there was no activity going on. Um, My partner and I split up to come around a park and meet back at the curve where it kind of forks in the road. Uh, When we got there at a house that was, at a mansion that was undergoing renovations, There were two small craft, probably five feet in diameter, two to three feet tall, kind of resembled a kind of like an Asian style uh, partition uh, in the sense that it looked like it was wood and paper. Um, They were hovering... uh, just motionless about two to three feet off the ground uh, when we came up at which point then they started floating probably two to three seconds after we saw that they started floating up Um, from there once they got to about 10 feet maybe the lights kicked on um, and basically the bottom half that looked like the paper partition with kind of It almost looked like burnt wood as the frame. Um, That's when the lights kicked on. And then they started dancing kind of back and forth with each other. Uh, They were just, I don't know how to describe it. They were moving perfectly in sync with each other. One would go port, one would go starboard, and then they'd swing back around, vice versa, kind of dance in front of each other, and then back to the rear. Um... Then they started moving pretty rapidly. Uh, We kind of took off after them out of the neighborhood. Uh, Then they kind of hit straight on Michigan Road, a very major road in Indianapolis. Um, At which point we we lost them. We didn't see them. They they took off real fast, kind of parallel with the road not gaining any altitude um and then that probably three four seconds after that about maybe five to six miles down michigan road we saw two lights just shoot off into space um The whole ordeal lasted maybe two, three minutes. When I radioed back to dispatch, they said we had been marked out for maybe 20 minutes. Um, Definitely didn't seem like that long. Uh, My initial reaction was to shoot it. Uh, Then I was just like, 
what am I going to say? I'm, I'm shooting at a balloon, a UFO. I, I, I don't know what this is. I'm shooting in a residential area at things in the sky. Like, so that, that quickly left. Um, I just got the feeling like you would be a laughing stock. Like that just seems ridiculous. Um, I also got the, like in the day since, I got the overwhelming feeling like it would be on the news soon, like everything would be revealed, not to worry. Um, my partner even called me a couple weeks later and was like, what do we do about it? And I was just like, I don't know. So let's do nothing, pretend it never fucking happened and move on with life. Uh, and that's what I did for several years. Um, I lasted on the police department about a month after that, maybe two. Um, from there, my life just completely changed. I am not the same person anymore. Just a completely different person. I couldn't even relate to the person I used to be. Yeah, that's, that's all my story. I'm pretty well open for questions. Hi, Ryan and listeners of Somewhere in the Sky's podcast. My name is Mike Jamison and I live in Ukiah, California. There are two uh, incidents in recent years that I wanted to share. The first one was during April of 2018. I was sitting up quietly after midnight by a west-facing window with the blinds up. Suddenly, a bright white light blasts through the window. Not a diffuse beam, but thick and concentrated. There's no possible ground source uh, for this light with rising forest, with a rising forested hill to my west, only a gap in the tall trees. I get up and look out. Over a tree line behind a lonely house in the hill, I see from a position to the left rear of the scene a large, squarish backside of a large appearing craft, silently hovering. It is completely quiet and still. A mumble, this isn't normal, and don't go outside as the craft had already shined a light into my place. I definitely shut down and resumed sitting quietly in the chair. And that incident, uh, I kind of kept quiet for a couple of days, shared it with a couple of friends, asked them if I should share it with people, and they said no. But I decided to eventually share it publicly, which I did on social media. In June of 2020, one night, I was out for a late night walk to the river. I noticed a darkish silver sphere of light just hovering over uh, a notch in the ridge nearby, about two miles away. The apparent size is a dime at arm's length. The object begins to dart very rapidly, and uh, apparent size uh, described as uh, at arm's length. The object begins to dart very rapidly over the area of this ridge and then comes to rest again just above the ridge. Then it slowly ascends at a 45 degree angle a couple of hundred feet up and then stops. After a minute, an identical object just suddenly appears about a hundred feet to the right and a little above of the first object. Now I'm completely stunned. Both objects now elegant, then 
elegantly descend in tandem and hover over the notch in the ridge. I get excited, raise both arms, and think loudly, come here. Surprisingly, they both flare up dramatically. At first, it looked like they were edging forward, but no, that's not what was happening. A little bit later, the original sphere just instantly, instantly disappears, and I see a pencil dot-sized light manifest over a different ridge to the south a few miles further away. Then the second object does this. Very shortly after the first object in instantly manifests at the original spot on the uh, ridge, and the second soon followed. They do this back and forth several times, spanning a significant area, evident with my side-angled view. And then they are gone. Back home a few minutes later, I check Flight Radar 24 and see nothing in the general region. This is during a time when the uh, nearby Yakaya Airport was fully closed for runway appears. Thank you for listening. Hello, Ryan. My name is Frank. I'm an attorney from the Philadelphia area, and my personal encounter with a flying vehicle or whatever occurred around 1977. My rock band was playing in Wildwood, New Jersey in November of that year, and we finished at 2 a.m., and my bandmate and I drove back from Wildwood, New Jersey to Philadelphia. After we got onto the Atlantic City Expressway for a few miles, we suddenly saw a large black triangular something floating across the highway. It was about 75 yards ahead of us. At that point, my car engine ground to a complete stop. It was about 3 a.m. and no other cars were on either side of the expressway that night. So my buddy Rich and I jumped out of my car and watched this thing literally float across the road. It looked like it was about five miles an hour. There was a light on each point of the triangle. And then we watched it disappear over the tree line at the far lanes of the expressway and was gone. And we looked at each other pretty shocked. I guess my, in the back of my mind, I thought it has to be an experimental plane. But when we got back into my car, I turned the ignition on and my car started right up. So we looked at each other and started laughing, like in disbelief. So the next day, or later that day, I, when I woke up, I called the FAA. And I finally got through to a lady who... After I told her what happened to us, she said, well, we haven't had any other reports, but if we do, you know, give me your number and I'll, I'll call you and let you know. Well, that, that never happened. So in my mind, you know, I figured, well, it has to be an experimental plane, um, you know, because there was a, there's, there's been a, an air base outside of Atlantic City for years. So I figured it had to be an experimental plane from the uh, air base outside of Atlantic City. So for years, I never mentioned what happened to anybody other than um, the guys in my later band because we, actually I wrote a song about it maybe a year later and we performed it in Wildwood actually in uh, 1978. 
So for years, I never mentioned to anyone else, you know, what Rich and I saw that night because I didn't want anybody to think we were nuts or high or drunk that night. So Rich and I decided, decided to start another music trio years later. Had to be around 2020. We started a trio with a, a female singer and us. Um, I'm a drummer and he was a keyboard player. So then all the furore started about the UFO sightings in the, in the media. And a Pentagon report came and uh, it, was just, it was just a lot of media hype. And I, I started to watch some documentaries. I really got more fascinated by it. And I couldn't believe some of the things I saw in the documentaries reminded me of the triangular spaceship we saw uh, that night, 1977, you know. So for the first time in a practice in 2020, I told Rich and our female singer what I had seen, but was too embarrassed to tell anybody for all these years. And suddenly Rich says to me, well, who do you think was sitting next to you when you saw it? And I blurted out, you were there with me that night? He says, yeah. I said, oh my. I said, thank God. I thought I was alone that night. So I asked him to recall what he saw, and it was exactly what I remembered. And in fact, he added that the thing that freaked him out the most was that the large aircraft that we saw float by made no sound. So that was pretty amazing, you know, to find that. Thinking about all of it recently, I mean, I always felt like there's, it was obviously superior intelligence in the in the galaxy and it's not a surprise to me given the size of the universe that we could never really think that we're alone uh, and so with all these documentaries i really felt like you know what we saw that night was probably a ufo that's how i feel about it and uh especially when i saw the navy pilots on 60 minutes come out and show the videos that they saw while they were flying um on a mission or whatever in practice in California. So um, as a result of that, I, we did my other band, you know, uh, wrote a song about what we saw. So we performed it in 1978. And this past year, we revised it. And we, we actually put it out on Spotify and Amazon. You know, it's called Look, Look to the Sky Philly Mix. And, you know, it's a song of hope that if these UFOs were really a danger to us, we'd know it by now. And I don't think they can be from Russia or China or else they would have used their superior intelligence on us. And uh, I guess the song really meant to me is a song of hope because I think these aliens who are obviously superior to us get upset about all the wars that are happening and all the things that are happening in the world. They may finally appear and tell us to cool all these wars and maybe cool Mr. Putin down. So that's about it. Um, that's my story.
Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.